Yeah, happy Mother's Day. What a great day to remember our moms and appreciate so much. That video kind of reflects that sacrifice and that love that they have for us. And it's so good to have these kind of holidays that just remind us of something that we should be doing all the time. It's just appreciating the people that have poured into us and love us so much. Uh, my name is Matt Party, one of the pastors here. Happy Mother's Day. I uh, had a great time with my mom yesterday celebrating Mother's Day, and happy Mother's Day to my wife, who's one of my favorite moms, of course, and does an amazing job with our children. I'm so blessed and so grateful for her. You know, uh, hanging out with my mom yesterday was fun and kind of re reminded me of some of the things that I'm teaching about here today. Uh, my mom, she just turned 80 years old not long ago. We had a big 80-year-old uh, party for her, which was really fun. And uh, she's pretty amazing because she's just so active and so healthy, which is pretty rare when you're 80 years old. When she goes to the doctor, they're amazed that she's on no medications. They ask her like four times, like, you're not on any medications? And she's like, no. And uh, so yesterday I was picking her up to go to lunch. I'm kind of dressed up and I'm thinking, yeah, we're going to go somewhere nice. And this is typical my mom. I get there to pick her up and she's all dressed up with nice shoes, but she's out in the garden, weeding the garden. You know, she's super active. I was like, mom, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I just saw those weeds. I had to get at them. And uh, so she's a go-getter. She had to be a go-getter. She raised six boys. I grew up with five brothers. So she's a wonderful uh, soul. Give her a hug if you see her. She's uh, like a general in, uh, in the military, uh, but also kind-hearted. And, um, you know, it's been funny just getting to know my mom even better over the years because we kind of share with her stories of how bad we were when we were kids, okay? And that's kind of like a little tradition. Every, every 10 years or so, we pull out some new stories that she hasn't heard that mortify her, absolutely. Um, and she just when she thinks, yeah, I've heard all the terrible things that my six sons have done, we surprise her with more. Um, and we usually have a good laugh about it. Um, Talking to my mom yesterday, she kind of reminded me of, um, of really the heart of this holiday of appreciation. I was thinking about what kind of gift to get her. And, uh, and she's, she's like this all the time now. She's constantly downsizing. She's giving things to goodwill all the time. And so she's like, really, please don't buy me anything. Like, she doesn't want any gifts. It's hard to buy anything for her. Uh, you guys probably can appreciate that kind of thing. And, uh, and what she says is, really, the best gift is just time with you. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes me feel bad for all the times I've turned you down uh, to hang out uh, and being too busy. But no, it's so nice when she says that, and just going and getting lunch and having time with her is, is really meaningful. And so today, I wanted to talk about how our moms uh, reflect certain qualities of God. Um, God has blessed us with moms, and I know all moms have different strengths and weaknesses, and we all have different experiences with moms, and I understand that. And as a parent, I can say, you know, we're all flawed, and we do the best that we can. But the way that God's designed this with, with mothers and fathers, um, they really do give us a glimpse of who God is. And there's many characteristics that I could share, but I'm just going to share a few this morning. And the big idea is that mothers give us a glimpse into God's character. And the first one that I see so clearly in my own mom and in my wife, Mary Lynn, with our own kids, and I'm sure with many of you, is the first one is that God gives us an unconditional love. God gives us an unconditional love. 
As we tell my mom these horrible stories of what we've done and all the dumb things that we did that probably embarrassed her greatly, um, she has always reciprocated love to us. And all of my brothers, including me, we've made some you know, great things happen in our life and we've done some terrible things. We've had some ebbs and flows. We've had the peaks and the valleys in our relationships. And my mom has always been there with this unconditional love. And as best we try to do that as parents, um, that hunger that we have in us for a parent to give us unconditional love is only an arrow pointing us to God who provides the greatest need, who shows us the, the greatest fit that we have in our hearts for unconditional love is not with a great mom or dad or a perfect parent, which does not exist. It's with a perfect God our Heavenly Father that loves us with an unconditional love. And all the stories of Scripture point us to this, that mankind, again, in our ups and downs, in our times where we worship God, and at times when we run away from God, when we rebel, when we disobey our parents, when we do things that embarrass our family name, in times where we're just pure selfish and we turn our own way, God is just there, open arms, saying, I love you, come back to me. And this first passage that we're going to look at in Matthew 23 is Jesus explaining this to the people of his time in their rebelliousness of how much he loves them, almost with this motherly feel to it. Listen to this in verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings but you wouldn't let me. This picture of God's love for us that we could almost see uh, so many beautiful glimpses of in motherhood, Jesus says, oh Jerusalem, oh my people, I love you so much. And every time we send you a prophet, every time we send you a messenger to steer your eyes back to God, you hate them, you stone them, you kill them, you reject my words so many times. But what is God's response? What is Jesus' message to them? He said, I still want to gather you together like a hen protects her chicks. I just wanted you to be with me and safe. I wanted to shower, I wanted to shower you with my love, but you wouldn't have it. And we see this pattern in our own lives, maybe in your life as you sit there, and maybe uh, through the, all the stories of the Bible really point to this, is that we're broken and rebellious people. And we need forgiveness. We need God's love. And he says, I clearly have that for you. I always want to be with you. I always want to welcome you back with open arms. It says this again in Isaiah in another tender way. Isaiah 49, 15 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. What this verse is saying to you and I is even if a nursing mother forgot her baby, which we know, no, that's not going to happen. That nursing mother is so attentive, is so caring, is so in tuned with that baby. So that even if a mother were to forget her child, God says, I will not forget you. No matter how far you've strayed from me, I love you and I want a relationship with you. That's how passionate God is about you and how much he cares for you. 
And we get these glimpses from our own mothers to see like, wow, who loves you like your mom, right? You know, sometimes we say, who could love that face but a mom, right? Moms just have that unconditional love and that care for their own children. And God's saying, mine is so much more. I care for you. And whatever paths you've chosen, he's always pulling us back to his path. You know, remembering a day like this is so special, as I said, and it's so important to have these, you know, kind of markers in the calendar to just remember things that are so valuable to us. But I want to be sensitive to to a group like this. You may have all different kinds of experiences when we talk about Mother's Day. You know, there's a lot of different things going on in this room. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, my mom's passed away, and this day just brings up pain for me, and that's so hard for you, and it's a, a sensitive topic. And I just want you to know if that's your situation, God knows, and he's, he's there. He loves you. Maybe you've had some conflict with your own mother. I know that there's people sitting here, and they're thinking, well, I've struggled with infertility. I know when Mary Lynn and I were struggling with infertility, kind of the Mother's Day were kind of like a, a bittersweet thing. We wanted to celebrate other people, but we were only struggling also with our own issues and thinking, God, when are you going to provide me with a child? Mother's Day can bring up other difficulties of people that have had miscarriages, or maybe you've even experienced an abortion. Many people that were in a spot in life where they felt like I couldn't turn any other way and I ended a pregnancy that I have. And you know, when you look back at that Isaiah 49, 15, we just want to be sensitive to that. We want you to know you're loved. When we look at Isaiah 49, 15, it says, or show no compassion for the child of her womb. And we believe with all of our hearts here that at that moment of conception, that, that that baby receives a soul, and that's a person. And so a lot of times when people end those pregnancies early, they have something not sitting well in them, and there's that shame and that difficulty in life. And that same unconditional love that we might have toward our own children, God has that unconditional love toward you. No matter what your story is, God loves you. He wants you. And he cares for you. And he knows whatever situation you sit in there today, he's in there and he wants your heart. He wants to nurture you and care for you. Which brings us to our second trait. Our second characteristic that we see in our mothers so well is that they nurture us and they train us in the way that we should go. And that is how God is with us. God wants to nurture us. He wants to train us. Most of the time we think, yeah, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to be better, but it also includes those times where we need to be disciplined. You know, my mom raising six boys, she had to be a person of discipline. And when we messed up, you know, you knew about it. My mom would, would uh, give a whole message on here about old school, and she'd do a great job. We need people to train us. We need to be nurtured. How much more so from God? Whether you're that you know, infant that is so dependent on your mother for nutrition and to just live, how much more is that true for us all of our lives, even as we're older, to be needing God, as Maddie shared in her moment. No matter what we go through in life, we need to know we're dependent on God. 
And he's always wanting us to grow. He's always wanting us to change. He loves us exactly how we are, but he sees the potential in us and he's always nurturing us and training us. And this is so well reflected in Hosea chapter 11. Listen to this heart of God. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they wanted to go away from me. They sacrificed to Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. And I bent down to feed them. You see this nurturing heart from God. And how do the people respond? Like most of the people of the Bible and many of us, they rejected it. He says, man, I loved you. I loved you when you were a child. When you were in Egypt, I rescued you. You were my son and I treated you like a child to rescue you, to care for you. But you went away from me and whatever I had to offer you, you didn't want. You turned to the idols of the time. The idols of the pagan countries. You didn't want my parenting. You wanted to go and worship the other idols. How hurtful. How rejecting. But yet, how does God respond again? He said, but I still wanted you back. I wanted to heal you. I wanted to show you my kindness. I wanted to press you to my cheek and feed you. What a loving God we have. So patient so nurturing and so incredible in the patient love that we need to grow. You know, when I think about great examples of Christian mothers, I thought about Susanna Wesley. If you know uh, much about Susanna Wesley, she's kind of like this model Christian mother that just went through so much hardship and was this amazing person. She lived in the 1600s and 1700s. Back in that time when they had big families and they had lots of trouble with infant mortality. Um, now, Susanna Wesley was actually the youngest of 25 children. Isn't that crazy? She didn't quite live up to uh, her mom's number, but Susanna herself had 19 children of her own. Now, that's a crazy big family. Many of her children, about 10 of her children, died in uh, infancy. And so she lived in this tiny little house with raising nine children. And she was just this person that loved God and wanted to teach her children. And she was pretty out in a remote place and she homeschooled her kids. And her husband wasn't a very faithful man. He wasn't a very solid guy. So he would just kind of just, you know, wander off and leave her alone. And so she would be very overwhelmed at times. But she was such a godly woman. When she couldn't travel to church, people would come to her house for church service. And they would sing some hymns and they would read through some sermons and sing some more hymns. She was just a light to the community. But she was known for just teaching her kids about Jesus. And they had these stories that they would write about her that in this crazy little small house with all these kids, I can't imagine how hectic that would be. When she needed to get away and she needed time to pray, she'd sit in the middle of the kitchen and pull her apron over her head. And when she did that, the kids knew like, okay, don't mess with mama right now. She's talking to God. And the kids would kind of like simmer down and she would just cry out to God for help. 
So she raised these amazing children, and two of her children were very famous. The first one, John Wesley. John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist movement. John Wesley was so passionate about God that he wanted to come up with a better method of walking with God. And he was so devout and such a great evangelist and such a great preacher that people just gathered around him. He had no intention to start a denomination, but he was just so passionate. And he created this revival of people using his method to get closer to Jesus. And so John Wesley became the founder of the Methodist movement. Charles Wesley was a really accomplished musician. He wrote over 5,000 hymns that people still sing today. These were just two of her children. She was an outstanding person, and she gives us this great picture of how God wants to raise us to something great. She had high hopes for her children. She had high expectations for her children in this little country house. And God looks at us with the same way. He sees potential in us that we don't see in ourselves. But she would challenge them. And she would demand a lot of them. And she would teach them to hate sin. One time John Wesley was writing to her. He said, Mom, I'm I'm processing like what is sin? I'm having thoughts. I'm having things creep into my heart. I don't want to overdo this. But just what's your definition of sin? And with some thought and contemplation, she wrote back to him. And here's the quote that she wrote. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, takes off your relish for spiritual things. Whatever increases the authority of the body over the mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may seem in itself. Wow, what an incredible definition. Anything that would quiet our love for God, anything that would put our bodies above what's right or above what our mind knows is right. Anything that diminishes our spiritual fervor, as innocent as it might be, she says, those are the things you want to avoid. An incredible example and an incredible person of incredible sacrifice, which leads us to our third characteristic is that moms are so sacrificial. That's probably the first word that comes to my mind when I think of my wife, when I think of my mom, which really points us to God, is God is sacrificial to us. When I think of you moms and the, the price you pay giving, you know, carrying this baby for nine months and all that your body goes through, all the sleepless nights of taking care of a baby you know, in the middle of the night, all the worry when they're little toddlers and they're running everywhere and the exhaustion of it and uh, and then all worrying about them through their teenagers. And I know even my brothers who are now, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, my mom still worries. She still cares. She still does so much to sacrifice for us. And it's a beautiful picture of God's sacrifice for us. I don't know if you knew about this. A few months ago, there was kind of this big buzz going on in the media about this famous celebrity. I won't mention who the celebrity is, but you would probably all know it. And if you know the story, you'll know who I'm talking about. But it was a guy really given to fitness as a celebrity. And the whole media was a buzz about, oh, did you hear about this actor? He gets up at 4 a.m. 
to work on his body and work on his abs. And everybody's like, oh, wow, what an outstanding person. We all feel bad. You know, we're sleeping at 4 a.m. while this guy's doing sit-ups, you know. And when I heard that story, I was like, you know how many nursing moms are up at 4 a.m.? And up at 2 a.m. and at 6 a.m. and all through the night. You know, it's like crazy how we kind of glorify this guy getting up for this selfish reason to work on his body. But these moms that are up all through the night sacrificing that we wouldn't even maybe think much about. And that picture that we see there of sacrifice is something so beautifully demonstrated in Jesus Jesus says to us very clearly in the Gospels, there's something wrong with mankind. There's something wrong with us. And I will sacrifice myself, Jesus said, for that problem. In, in uh, Mark 10.45, Jesus says this, referring to himself, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Some people thought that Jesus was going to come and be this mighty king and put on the purple robe and sit on this throne and just dominate, you know, uh, Jerusalem and, and dominate that time and dominate the Roman Empire and just kind of show his power. And they missed out on what he really came for. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve you by dying for you. I came to serve you by sacrificing myself on the cross for your sins so that you could have a relationship with me. And this story of sacrifice is so beautifully laid out throughout the scriptures. All through scriptures, we see people sacrificing of themselves. I was thinking about Deborah and Esther. Deborah in the book of Judges. What a beautiful, godly woman. When the men of the time weren't really rising up to take the leadership that they were supposed to, Deborah, just because she loved God and obeyed God, she said, I'm going to step up. I will lead the people. I will help the people. I will give these difficult messages to the king so that our people can thrive. And Deborah was an amazing person of sacrifice, kind of not as a, a, um, a physical mother, but as a mother to her country to serve them and love them. In the same way, Esther, when Haman and the king were going to kill all the Jewish people, and Esther said, I will go forward, scared half to death, but I will go forward and sacrifice myself to save the lives of the Jewish people. And her, her uncle Mordecai said, you need to go do this. And she said, the king might kill me if I walk in there. But she said, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for the people. And Esther sacrificed her own well-being for the people. And how much more do we see that um, in the life of Jesus? Jesus came to this earth as God. In this passage we're going to read in Philippians, it says, He didn't take advantage of that God power at that moment. But becoming a human, becoming this, this man that was going to be crucified, he gave that up. He opened up his hands. He said, I'm going to give up all I could do in the power of God right now. And I'm going to show you my power through my humility and through my sacrifice. What an amazing king we have. In Philippians 2, it says this, starting in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of his humility and his death on the cross, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was obedient to the point of death because he loves us so much. That's how much he wanted to sacrifice for us. And what is our response here? It says that we would just confess back to him that we love him. You're, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. I recognize what you did on the cross for me. And when you rose again, you gave me the illustration of me rising to new life as I believe in you. And I just want to respond with my love. Just like our mothers say, just love me back and spend time with me. How much more our Heavenly Father saying, will you love me back? As we close in prayer, I was thinking about yesterday, I took the kids to go look for some Mother's Day cards, and we're reading through a whole bunch of them. And one of my favorites was this. It said, Mom, here is a list of why you're the greatest mom in the world. It's like, okay, that's kind of made me curious enough to open it. And I open it, and it says, number one, you love us. Number two, we love you back. It's like, wow, that's, that's pretty much it. That's the list. They love us. We love them back. Today, God is asking you that. He says, I love you. Will you love me back? That's all he's asking. That's the gospel. He sacrificed himself for us. And he's saying, no matter what you've done, no matter what things have creeped into your life and your heart and your thoughts, the things you've done, I'm welcoming you back. Will you come back and just spend time with me? Be in this loving relationship with me. That's his heart. That's our prayer for you today. Let's pray.